The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow it. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your faith. are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house. And anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. We use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, uh, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And at the top of the page, you'll see two videos there. The one on the left is Bradley's show from yesterday. Um, good interview with our friend Don Brown just across the line over there in North Kamilina. Uh, But he was on to talk about Extortion 17. Um, We still don't have any justice over that, guys. And so that allows them to keep doing what they're doing with our military. Uh, Again, the guy in the White House is the reason those Navy SEALs and the Rangers and the the Guardsmen who were killed aboard Extortion 17, 
He was part of it. Him and Leon Panetta opening their big mouths on allegedly. I'm just going to say it because I just I don't believe any of them. Uh, allegedly killing Osama bin Laden. Okay, I'm just uh, they they've given me the government has given me no reason to trust them about anything that they say. So I'm just going to say allegedly. Okay. Uh, outing those guys, and uh, so if you missed that interview, you want to catch that, that'll be there until 3 o'clock this afternoon, which at what time that little space right there will go live, and uh, you can watch Bradley this afternoon. On the right side of the page is where we're streaming live. All you got to do is hit play, blow it up on your device, and then click on Rumble, the, the little icon down the bottom right, and you should be coming up live uh, right there. So that is set on sonsoflibertymedia.com, and then if you want to, uh, you can also pick us up on beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty. Twitch at Setting Brush Fires, and also if you got a Roku device, we're on Cutting Edge TV over there, and we appreciate uh, them picking us up as well. All right, right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for a newsletter. Please do that. Uh, you get one email from us a day. I mean, that's the biggest way where we get anything out. And the reason is, is we're censored all over the place. I mean, we, we really are. And um, so, yeah, that's done. Um, but be sure to sign up for it. Also, go to SonsLibertyRadio.com. Sign up for that email because you get those on Saturday once a week and tells you what's going on in the ministry, uh, any special that we're running on, any of the stuff in the store uh, that you might be interested in, and you get Bradley's article for the week as well. And uh, so with that said, if you missed the interview yesterday, I'm going to kind of you know, jump off of that. I thought a little bit something a, a subject we've covered before, but sometimes you know it. We're forgetful people. I'm a forgetful person, and uh, we just need some reminding. We don't need necessarily in depth this time. Uh, I'll have some of the other things that I've talked on this subject. Uh, I'll have them linked in the archive. You say, "Where's the archive?" Well, it's just on SonsLibertyMedia.com. It's like an article for the day. Uh, there's no little special button for it. Just look for the same thing that you that the the, the title is of the video on the video platforms. And if you're listening by way of the radio, it's just called, Are We Really Living in the Last Days? That's that's all I'm putting forward to you. Uh, but yesterday we had uh, Bart Sabrell on, the moon man, right? Um, put out his new book. He's been putting out videos for years on the moon landing fraud. And I think, I think he's got a pretty conclusive case. I mean, I really do. There's so much that just wraps up nice and neatly. And people say it's conspiracy theory. Yeah, it's a conspiracy theory because there's conspirators. That's the whole point. Conspirators just take at least two people or more conspiring together to do something, good or bad. Usually it's bad. Okay? Usually it's bad. So with that said, <laughs> uh, be sure to check that out at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Also, um. As the cover-ups continue, young military men are dying in their bunks and not a word from the mainstream media. This is Bradley's latest. Uh, this was out of Fort Bragg down here. Again, this is in uh, North Kamilina, too, um, where some of this is going on. And uh, not just that, but there was a doctor on the high wire yesterday, and Jessica Rose, Dr. Jessica Rose, she's a computational biologist and VAERS expert. Now, I don't know what a computational biologist necessarily is, but I did see the part after that uh, where she was presenting millennial deaths are occurring in excess like we only see during wartime. That's pretty telling. 
That's pretty telling. The video is up at sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can check that out there. And then also, uh, function, this one was, was interesting. A fully functional RPG-like launchers are now being 3D printed. i, I got to tell you, I want one of these. <laughs> one of them. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Now, they claim that it just launches uh, canned drinks. Check this puppy out. <laughs> the guy doesn't even recoil. So I know it's not anything with uh, you know, the serious nature of an RPG or uh, something like that being in it. But there are several videos you can check out uh, at sonsoflibertymedia.com. And they've got one here where they even have like a... Uh, it's got like a stand on it that you can pull out. And I, this just looks like it'd be a lot of fun. You know, shoot a soda at somebody. I don't know. You get one of those big big sodas coming at somebody in a can. That's going to be, yeah, that, that's going to hurt a little bit. That's going to sting. Anyway, check that out at sonsoflibertymedia.com. And also, even the White House is finally admitting a global food crisis is here. Uh, they're just now getting around to that. Now, we see that coming with the supply chain. Uh, we've seen that coming with... The government paying farmers not to produce, paying them to destroy food. We had um, uh, G-Sing on, what, last year sometime, and he was warning that if they put us in lockdown again, they meant to starve us out. And we've been warned and warned and warned and warned and warned about this, and most people won't know where to get food. So I've had several articles on that. Yesterday we put up um, this gentleman here who is, uh, what's his name, Mark, I believe his name is Mark Babo, Brabo, I'm sorry, and or Brabo, and he lived under communism, and he had to grow his own food, and he survived, and then I've left you some links in here about some things uh, as far as homesteading, um, putting up dry goods, that was from Suzanne Hamner, and places where you can find food when, they're, when the, there's none in the stores, uh, but also an encouraging of the people get back to sort of God's way of doing things, and that is agriculturally uh, taking care of themselves and their neighbors and their families and stuff um, by doing what they do. So if you want to check that out, let me give you a little taste of that. Uh, There's a three-minute introduction to what uh, Mike is going to talk about. I think it's very important. See, these these are practical things that the modern church doesn't talk about. Because they just want all this "quote unquote" positive stuff, and you know, don't talk to us about there's there may be something bad that we need to prepare for this, that, and the other. Uh, listen to what Mike has to say here. Throughout Scripture, we see examples. In the example of Joseph, God gave him pretty clear instructions that you're going to have seven plentiful years, and you're going to have seven lean years. Prepare now, so he made the preparations, and then. There's no food. The people spent all that they had, and then it says, and then the money failed. So you could have $10,000 in gold and no food, and you may have to spend $10,000 in gold to buy a week's worth of food. And so food is something that's very important for us to strategically store up. So... Is that hoarding or is that being wise? I believe that's being prudent. It's it's to lay aside provisions for when there's going to be lean seasons because lean seasons do come. In our modern grocery stores, we don't see, by and large, the leanness of various seasons. The shelves are always full year-round. 
but we have an artificial system. And so with our just-in-time delivery of our, and all the modern conveniences we have in our food system, most cities have a five to seven day food supply. So by the seventh day, the stores are gonna be bare. You know, there'll be some odd items um, available, but all of your staples, most of your canned goods, it'll all be gone. And so we just don't have the resiliency and most homes don't have any kind of uh, food storage. So within a week, um, they're going to be very desperate and they will, to be able to eat, sadly, most will do whatever they're told to be able to feed themselves and feed their children. And that's tyrannical. Our Lord Jesus exhorts us, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Your heavenly father knows that you need these things. And as his children, he promises to provide for us. And so we can take him at his promise to provide for our our daily bread. And that doesn't mean we stay home flipping through the channels and doing nothing. No, scripture also exhorts us that if you don't if you don't till, if you don't plow, you're not going to have anything in the harvest season. You know, so you're going to need to plant a garden. You're going to need to meet neighbors. You're going to need to connect with your local farmers. Um, But in that, the confidence and the peace that we have, knowing Christ in us and as his children, his great love for us, he will provide. Amen. Amen. Now, you can watch the full speech at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Same article here. Uh, because I put it in right below it, just so you guys know. You can check it out. This is the full talk. It's about uh, 17, 18 minutes, if you're interested in in hearing that. And I've also got a call in. You saw the family there. That was Those of you who are watching by way of the video platform, you saw the family in there. That's Jason Mateus and his family. I believe they're up here, just up the road from me in Virginia. And um, I put a message into him to see if we can bring him on. Uh, our friend Bill, the truck driver theologian, has said, you know, I've been to their house Everything that's on their table either came out of their garden or they raised it, as in some type of cattle or animal uh, that was being consumed. So that you you can do it, but it's going to change. It's going to take a real change of mind and of lifestyle. Uh, this is something I want that I want to do. Um, I'm coming to it very late in life. Uh, but it is something that I want to do, and I want to be able to pass on to my kids because they're going to need it too. And this plays into some of what we're going to talk about today. Because, and by the way, if you think some things look a little different, I did something with the lighting. I got this light out of my side over here, and so you can see green around my fingers uh, and some stuff like that. So as long as I don't put my hand up there, it's usually not a problem. But I'm trying to do something where I keep it out of my glasses. Some of you guys had mentioned everything in my glasses. I can't do anything about the monitors. They're there, uh, but I can I can try to help with some of that. So I'm kind of fiddling with that. I'm not a lighting person. So once I get it completely set the way I want, then um, yeah, that'll be, that'll be a permanent thing. All right. So yesterday, um, you know, we, we had Bart on, it was a great conversation. And then I kind of teased you guys and said, oh, I'll record our conversation after, which was 
somewhat on eschatology, somewhat on God's sovereignty in the saving of man. And, um, you know, I, I, I saw where there is some Seventh-day Adventism, and I'm talking about the LNG white brand of that uh, influence there. And that's something I dealt with decades ago, uh, you know, with, with Seventh-day Adventism. And I've met people who I thought were very... Um, they expressed biblical Christianity. And I, I thought that uh, one of the issues that, that Bart had is he, he expre- he's a doer. He's, he, you know, that is part of, of being a Christian, is that you're changed and that you do, you, you want to do. So we were just clearing up some things as far as why do we do what we do? Do we do it to get the Spirit of God? Do we do it to get salvation? Do we do it to um, you know, uh, get redemption and any of this? And, of course, he was pitching that line of free will and stuff like that. By the way, uh, you know, Seventh-day Adventism wants to, at least the LNG white brand will say, that's the mark of the beast if you're worshiping on Sunday, because the Pope said, well, this is our mark on the people is that they worship on Sunday and blah, 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 blah. And uh, so Rome set this up. Well, that's just nonsense. Anybody can read history and know in the first and second centuries there were Christians who were worshiping on actually both days. Uh, many times they would go in, we read Paul in the book of Acts, he goes to the synagogue. Why? Because that's where the people gather on what? Their Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath. But I think there's a lot that's removed there. I think there's a specific reason why God didn't use days like we use, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, he, That none of that was there. They were on a lunar cal- calendar. Uh, they had 30-day months. And if you read R.J. Rushdoony, one of the things he points out is that when they had a Sabbath, they would start another week. So if they had a special Sabbath, like a Feast of Booths or uh, the Passover or a Pentecost or any of this, they would start the week over. So the different it would fall on what would be considered different days if we were to apply our terminology to it. In any case... Uh, that wasn't what we focused on. We we did focus on uh, some of the other. We also talked a little bit about Matthew 24, and I'm going to bring up some of those things today. So I didn't record it, but it was about two hours worth, I can tell you. Uh, and it was a good conversation, and we're going to keep in touch and, and have some conversation over that. But one of the things is is that I hear I see a lot of people do this. Um, in my opinion, and it's not everybody that, that thinks maybe differently than me, but in my opinion— there are a lot of people who know enough about the Bible to be dangerous, just absolutely dangerous, okay? Uh, they read, his number is 666, and they their whole life is filled with seeing everything with 666, okay? Which isn't even what the text says. It says 666. It's not three sixes, it's 666, okay? That's what the text says. So you can't make it out to be what you want. And uh, this was something that Bart and I were talking about was, you know, when we interpret Scripture, we can't say, well, I interpret that to be, or I, you know, this is what it means to me. We can't go that kind of route. We have to look at who's writing, who's the audience, when are they writing, how is it relevant to the audience? Because think about this. When we go through uh, the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. When we go through these things, there's a specific audience in mind. He keeps referencing you, 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 you. Now, I know this is going to burst some people's bubbles who who have bought the thing that, oh, well, the Bible is God's love letter to us. 
Um, no, it's not. It's his word, and it was written at different times by different authors. Well, actually, different instruments were used. Those were the authors, but the ultimate author was the Spirit of God. Peter says that they were holy men moved by the Spirit of God. And so, with all of these things in place, God is revealing himself to men. Okay? It's his revelation, if you will. By the way, if you're out there and you keep calling the book of Revelation, Revelations, I just, I, I don't understand that. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay? Or the apocalypse, the unveiling. Right? That's what that means, the unveiling. And I really believe, um, you know, that, that we're seeing a lot of this stuff that when we talk about the last days, when you're looking at Scripture and it's talking about the last days, it's, re- it's referencing the coming of Messiah and his judgment that he's going to bring with him, right? This is what John the Baptist preached. This is what the Old Testament preached. This is what we saw in the New Testament. In fact, we uh, read in the book of Hebrews that it tells us, in these last days, God has spoken to us, how? By his Son, Okay? By his son. Well, Tim, I can just hear you right now, man. Don't you see what they're doing? Bill Gates has this Luciferate stuff, and um, and 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 they're going to a cashless society, and it's a one-world government, and all this. Okay, I mean, you can walk by what you see, or you can walk by faith, right? Which is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so when we come to places like, again, 1 Corinthians 15, one of, my, one of my favorite passages because it is so optimistic. Why? Because if God's people are faithful, and I think there's always going to be faithful people of God in giving the gospel, then Christ will subdue his enemies under his feet, and he'll continue to do so. Right? But there's, you know, Matthew 24 is probably the easiest place to see where a lot of this stuff comes in, all right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop a, a couple of things because there are some that says, oh, well, we, we can't see, uh, you know, he's going to come, there's going to be a thousand years, and, um, you know, by the way, that, there's only one place in the Bible that mentions thousand years, and, and I'm of the opinion, yeah, if, if the Bible says it once, it means it, okay? But it's in the largest book that is highly symbolical, and that doesn't mean that you make it out to what you want or you just spiritualize everything. That's not what that means. But, but a lot of it is occurring in vision form. And a lot of the visions are actually explained in there what they are or what the particular characters or things that are seen are. So I don't want to minimize that. Um, but again, I see too many people who are all about Antichrist, knowing who Antichrist is. They, you know, pin the tail on the Antichrist. That's what I call it. Or trying to figure out what the mark of the beast is, and they're so absorbed with this this antichrist figment that they don't know Christ. They don't know Christ, and so to me, it's a problem. But speaking of the kingdom, listen to the words of Jesus. This comes from Luke chapter seventeen. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten clans? Remember, he had uh, some lepers that came to him. He made them whole. 
He told them to go to the priest, show themselves to the priest, because that's what they're supposed to do according to the Old Testament. They're to show themselves to the priest, and the priests were to declare them clean. Okay? Were there not ten, and there's one guy who comes back, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So he just healed these ten lepers. One comes back to be thankful, and he tells him to go his way. His faith has made him whole. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God, listen to this, guys, listen, cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is where? Over on a piece of, postage stamp piece of land over there in the Middle East? Nope, it ain't there. What does he say? The kingdom of God is within you. Now, this is in line with what Paul says, that we've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, which is of light. Okay? And he said to the disciples, the day will come, the days will come, when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say to you, see here, see there, go not after them, nor follow them. So that's out of Luke chapter 17, the words of the Lord Jesus about the kingdom is the kingdom is within us, those of us who are believers. Why? Because the king sits on the throne of our hearts, right? He has subdued us. Again, going back to 1 Corinthians 15, how did he subdue us? He subdued us through the gospel message. Now, with that said, you know, there's a, there's a couple of books I'm going to recommend to some people. You can, you can take a look at them. Um, again, I'm going to go back to... Uh, just one of my favorites, right? Um, if you can find it. It's it's kind of a hard book to find, but Evidence of the Truth of the Christian Religion is by Alexander Keith. Um, he lived in the uh, 18th, 19th century. And uh, then there's another one that I want to toss out to you. This is uh, Before Jerusalem Fell, uh, dating of the Book of Revelation. This is by Kenneth Chentry. It's a pretty, pretty thick book, but... Um, Lots of information in there, if you're interested on that, uh, of a different approach than the, the, than the last day's madness stuff. Okay, um, So there's another one, too. It's called The Early Church and the End of the World. Uh, this is by Gary DeMar. And there, there are several things in here that are you know, really good. Let me read this little uh, couple of passages here. Because, um, you know, he takes on messages from some of the apostles uh, that they had uh, early on in uh, the first century there. But one of the things he gives under the title of apostolic proximity uh, concerning this is this. He says, proximity to the apostles is no guarantee of getting it right. And this is dealing with, with timing and such. There were well-intentioned people in the period prior to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 who needed direct counsel to correct doctrinal missteps. See Acts 10, Galatians 2, 11-14. Uh, special counsel had to be called in order to clarify and resolve theological issues like, you know, you have to have faith and be circumcised and keep the law in order to, to be saved from your sin. Um, and they corrected that. You can read that in Acts chapter 15. By the way, who did they go to for that? They went to the elders. Okay? 
Acts chapter 15, there was the group of elders there in Jerusalem. Those were the guys who decided. It wasn't Paul. He was an apostle. Uh, he was a prophet. He was an evangelist. Uh, but, but there you go. Okay. Uh, even so, some still didn't get it. Galatians 1, verses 6 10. Paul had to instruct the Thessalonian Christians on a matter of eschatology so they would not be deceived. Now, again, what's interesting is what he writes to the Thessalonians is he's writing to them and he's telling them not to be deceived. He's telling them these things have to happen and such. Okay? So all of those things are there. And Peter writes that some of the things Paul wrote are hard to understand, which the untaught and the unstable distort. John warns his readers not to believe every spirit, but to test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Paul cautions that, quote, even though we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel contrary to what, we, what had been preached, that person or angel, no matter what his standing was, was to be accursed. This means that there were theologians, and listen, by the way, all of us are theologians, Okay, we all are. We all have a view of God, or whether we are bearing the truth and unrighteousness, as Romans 1 says, we say there is no God, or I don't know if there's God. Of course you know there's God. You know it. You're made in His image. It's, it's intrinsic to you. It is internally revealed to you. You know that. That's why you suppress the truth with it. So he says, we're either going to be good or we're going to be bad theologians. That's the issue. Okay? And we want to be good theologians, right? Because we want to communicate the truth of God. So this means that there were theologians in the first century who were teaching error, either maliciously or out of ignorance, while the apostles were still alive, just like Jesus said there would be. And we're going to read some of that in just a minute. Given what we know about the history of doctrinal issues in the infant church, it's surprising that a guy by the name of Thomas Ice, he, he is definitely, he is a, one of the dispensationalists. Okay? Uh, and boy, he is, he is an at least the last I saw, which was, I don't know, 20 years ago, he was a very unteachable guy, really. He was, it was bad. Um, given what we know about the history of doctrinal issues, it's surprising that Mr. Ice wants us to believe that the views of uninspired writers, of which we know almost nothing, writing decades after the death of most of the apostles, are to be taken as authoritative. What we do know is that the history of prophetic speculation has been a persistent embarrassment to the church. Many Christian writers claimed as prophetic authorities throughout the centuries believed that Jesus was coming back in their day. Ignatius writes around the year A.D. 100 that, quote, the last times are come upon us. Words that echo those of the Apostle Paul when he writes that the end of the ages had come upon him. Okay? and the Corinthian church in their day, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. They both can't be right. Paul is the authority. Ignatius is not. Cyprian, circa 200-258, writes, quote, that the day of affliction has begun to hang over our heads, and the end of the world and the time of the Antichrist. Even he's pitching this out. Remember, uh, I like what Chuck Baldwin had to say uh, when he was going through his series on Antichrist the other week. And he said, you have heard that Antichrist has come. He says, this is hearsay. It's hearsay about the Antichrist coming. That's, that was what he was pointing out. I thought that was a good point to be made. Because he goes on to tell you what Antichrist is. Somebody who rejects the doctrine. If they don't come with the doctrine of Christ, okay, and they reject that he's come in the flesh, they're Antichrist, period. 
And John says there are many antichrists even now. And you couldn't have antichrist until after Christ came. Okay, just so we're clear. This was a constant theme in Cyprian's writings. These men, along with most of their contemporaries, believed that they were living in the last days. The time of the end was near for them, and they were wrong because they misapplied the time text. And this is a lot of, I think, what happens when we look at some of these these passages. Now, real quickly, boy, I'm going to run out of time here, and I can't stay a lot long today. But those are some things, you know, I like to give you guys some, some stuff that you can follow up on your own. And and I, some books that I, I found to be very helpful in some of my own studies, okay? So that that's why I give them. But turn with me real quickly to Matthew 23. Now, I'm just going to kind of give you the overview, because this is the context of why Matthew 24 comes up, okay? So you have this happening to where Jesus goes into the temple, and... Let's use the modern day terms. He grills, he rips, he blasts, whatever you know verb you want to use here for the Pharisees. And over and over and over and over in Matthew twenty three, he pronounces woes on them. Those are judgments. Okay? And he calls them hypocrites each time. And you'll see all of that. I'm just kind of scrolling through here, just so you guys see, Jesus had a lot of words here for the Pharisees, and they were pronouncements of judgment, okay? He he says, fill up then the measure of your fathers, and what was that? You're the children of them which killed the prophets, You, you praise the prophets now. You whitewash their tombs and make them look pretty, and you say, oh, we're going to honor you, but you're still involved in the killing of the prophets. They're attacking Jesus himself, the Son of God. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Oh, man, wait a minute. You're not supposed to tell them something like that. You're supposed to tell them Jesus loves them, has a wonderful plan for their life. No, that's not what he gave them. You're on your way to hell, boys. You're a generation of vipers. You're serpents. You're of your father, the devil, who is a serpent. All right? And he says, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you... Okay, not not a generation way out in the future, but upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Now, there's something really interesting here. I think that when Jesus says this, and he mentions Abel to Zacharias, he's giving you the bookends of the Old Testament. This is why I reject pseudepigraphal writings. This is why I reject apocryphal writings. All of that, that comes after that time. Jesus knew exactly what was laid up as the Word of God because it was His Word. And it was laid up in the temple. And so when He's saying this, He's saying it as what's been recorded. What is the Word of God and what they would have known to be the Word of God. Okay? It's, it's another reason why I you know reject certain 
certain books. Because if they were around then, and they were a part of Scripture, Jesus would have included that. They fall outside that timeline. So he says, all these things shall come upon this generation. What things? The things he just said. You're gonna you're gonna take and you're gonna you're gonna scourge, you're gonna kill, you're gonna persecute the people that are sent to you, the prophets and wise men that are scribes that are sent to you. Okay? And the punishment, the judgment is gonna come upon you. It's interesting he says, Ye slew between the temple and the altar. Well, they they weren't there, they weren't living at the time of Zacharias. That happened hundreds of years before. But he's saying you're in a long line just like everybody else. This is what uh, Barton, one of the things that Bart and I were speaking about yesterday was we're either in Christ or we're in Adam. And I do believe in original sin. I don't believe that's something the Catholic Church came up with any more than I think they came up with Sunday worship. I just, I don't buy it. There's evidence that those things were going on and being taught and being practiced long before Rome came up or even Constantine. Okay? So... When we see these things laid out here, he comes and he says, he, he, he links them in to doing this, and then he says this, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered the ch- thy children together, even as a hen gathereth their chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Now there's two, two people who are being talked about here. Okay, First he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. Okay? Now, who's he talking about? Well, he's talking about the guys he's just condemned. They're the leaders. They would be the heads of Jerusalem, if you will. They've been the ones who have been against John the Baptist. They've been against Jesus so far. Their fathers were against the prophets sent to them before. And then he says this, how often would I have gathered you? Is that what he says? Would I gather you, you, you Pharisees and you, you religious leaders, the ones who are killing the prophet? Is that what he says? No. He said, how often would I have gathered thy children together? The people that you're over. I, I was gathering the people and you wouldn't let it be. You were constantly in the way. You were constantly putting yourself in here. And so Jesus is in the temple. And he gets ready, he's turning away, you could say he's kicking the dust off his feet to them, and he says, behold, your house, that's interesting that he uses that term, your house is left unto you desolate. Your house is left unto you desolate. Not the temple of God, not God's house, your house. Okay? For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till you say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And immediately upon leaving there, we go into Matthew 24. So you see how the context is set up? Jesus has just pronounced all these judgments and woes upon who? Somebody out in the future? No, upon those who were leading Israel astray and standing in the way of the Son of God. And so... There's, remember, there's no chapters, no verses, any of this kind of stuff. So right as he says, your house is left to you desolate, he's pronounced all these woes, he walks out of the temple. And that's where we pick up Matthew 24. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. See? 
He went out from where? From where he just got through ripping these guys. Okay? And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. So again, what's going on in the passage? Jesus pronounces woes and judgments, starts to leave the temple, says it's going to be desolate, and here's what goes on. He says, See ye not all these things? What things? The things they're showing him, the temple, the buildings. It, it's actually being built at this time. This is Herod's temple. Um, and my understanding is, is that Herod's temple was completed just prior to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Okay? He says, See not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. So, okay, guys, you want to take and admire the temple? You want to take and admire all of the buildings? That's fine, but it's going to be destroyed. Yeah, it's a marvelous thing. It's a beautiful thing, but it's going to be destroyed. There's not going to be a stone left upon another. And so we go back to the text, and what does he say? And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Or the, the word that's used there is aeon. It means ages. What's going to be the end of the age? Now, I want you to think with me for a second. Jesus has been telling the disciples for a while now that he will come to Jerusalem. He's going to be mocked and ridiculed and flogged, and they're going to put him to death. And then he's going to do what? Rise again, right? He's going to rise. He's going to. He's going to rise again. So, here's what he does. They're asking, "When are these things going to be? What's the things? Well, when the stone? You know, there's not going to be a stone left upon another. When's the temple going to be destroyed? So they're asking him that, and then they say, "What shall be the sign of thy coming?" Now, I don't believe that they have in mind what most Christians today have in mind. Because, again, these guys don't even realize that in a few days' time, Jesus is going to be put to death on the cross, buried, resurrected, and, you know, several days later, ascend into heaven. They don't realize that's going to happen, even though he's told them it's going to happen. Okay? So when they, they're asking the sign of that coming... See, one of the things they do know is judgment's supposed to come with the Messiah. They're expecting him to destroy all the Romans, to destroy all their enemies, and to erect the kingdom. Okay, but I read to you from Luke 17, the kingdom is what? It's within, it's within us, right? All right, so, and then he says, in the end of the age. Now, Jesus goes on in this passage, and he gives warnings. Jesus said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive who? You. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. But all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And the terms there are, are, are for 
ethnos, where we get ethnic groups. They're going to rise against nations, rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There should be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. By the way, all of these things you can begin seeing take place in the book of Acts. You really can see that the, the false Christ, the people who are not deceived, you remember Simon, the magician. You remember Bar-Jesus, whom Paul struck with blindness. And others that are mentioned, you remember that there was a great famine that was coming as you look in the New Testament. There was a famine that was going on in Jerusalem. And so this is why uh, Paul told the people at Corinth, he said on the first day of the week, set aside something, right? And the reason they were doing it was because he was the go-between. He was the one who had validated that there was trouble in Jerusalem, and he wanted the, the brothers in the church to take care of the brothers in the church at Jerusalem. And so there was a famine going there. There was pestilences. There was a number of sicknesses that we read that the apostles were healing at that time. And there were earthquakes in diverse places. Uh, in fact, when you go and you look at some of the storms, the, the one that, that Paul is caught in, uh, it's the same kind of words that are used where we identify an earthquake. Right? You guys remember that Paul and, and um, Silas are in the Philippian jail, and what happens? There was a great earthquake right that took place and they were the the door swung open nobody left right the chains fell off there was a great earthquake that took place when Jesus died and a great earthquake when he rose right so he's he's these things were already beginning here he says all these are the beginning of sorrows and they shall deliver who you the disciples They'll deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. How are they going to be hated for all nations? Well, they've been sent out to all the world, right? First go to Jerusalem, then Judea, then to Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth, right? And Paul says, when you go over into the book of Acts, he says, the gospel has been preached to every creature under heaven. He says it then, first century. That's what that's what the scripture says, okay? And then it says and you shall be and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many and because iniquity shall abound the love of many shall wax cold but he that endure unto the end the shame shall be saved. And then he adds that part, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, and that means the inhabited world, that's what the term means, for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And it's interesting because he follows up and he says, When ye therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand, because they're, they're writing this down for the people, so they know people are going to read it. He says, Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Now, when you go over into Luke chapter 21, which is the, it's the same thing, okay? It, you, you see right here. And as some, this is verse 5 of Luke 21, spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts. He said, 
As for these things which ye behold, the days will come in which there shall not be one stone left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So he's going to give, this is Luke's version of what we just read there out of Matthew 24. Okay? And as we read down through here, one of the things that we'll see is um, when he gets to that part, he's he's already said the same thing that he's talking about here. In verse 21, he says, And let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let them not, excuse me, let them, let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about the fact that there is judgment that's going to come upon Jerusalem. Those are the things written. What do you think Deuteronomy 28 is about? It's about the covenant. There's blessings if you do this, Israel. There's cursings if you don't do that. You say, well, you you talk about that all the time, Tim. Yes, I talk about it in application, don't I? Application for us. I'm not saying that what we're going through right now is that. No, that's what they went through. That's what they faced in 70 AD, the fulfillment of all of that stuff. And I take the application because God doesn't change in how he deals with man. He really doesn't. And man don't doesn't change their ways either. They continue to engage in these kind of things. So you say, okay, well, he said to leave. Okay, let's go back to Matthew 24. Just want to make this point here so that you see something that some of you have seen when you listened to when we had um, uh, Chuck Ball went on. We talked about Daniel's 70 weeks. So what he says is this, when you therefore, this is Matthew 24, verse 15, when you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. And then he says this, what? What I just read in, in Luke 21, right? Let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the house housetop not come down to take anything out of his house and blah, blah, blah. All right, the rest of that. Now, when you go to 21, we read, let them which are in Judea flee the mountains. Well, when are they supposed to do that? Look at the verse before that. And when ye see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Now, a lot of people think, oh, you know, they're taught, oh, well, see what this is, that they're going to set up an idol there and, and do this. Look, they had idols on their shields. The Romans were considered to be big idolaters. They had them on their shields. They had them on other parts of, of garments and other things that they had. And so when they came in to Jerusalem and they tore that temple apart, they were desecrating it there. They were, one, Gentiles, they weren't supposed to be in there, right? And two, they, were, they brought it to desolation. I mean, that's what Jesus said. I leave to your house desolate. I'm leaving it desolate, okay? So when we come back to these passages, I want you to understand something. This is talking about what's going on there in the first century. In fact, he goes on and he's talking about them. Um, you know, those of you with child, those that give suck or that nurse babies. Okay? Pray that your flight not be in the winter, neither on the Sabbath. For then shall great tribulation, such as not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor. No, nor ever shall be. 
we're not looking for a great tribulation out in our future. It, it came upon the people of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. It did. In fact, he goes on to shorten the days so that no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days should be shortened. And again, who's the audience? The audience is not you and me. We're reading it after the fact, thousands of years later. But this is directed at the disciples. He's told them to do certain things. And I believe that there's an application for us to do the same. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it doesn't apply to us. But understand the difference between interpreting the text and the context versus bringing an application over from it. And later on, we'll see that uh, in the midst of Matthew 24, uh, and this would take a whole other show uh, that we would have to do as far as judgments of God, and maybe I'll, I'll take time to do some of that too. Uh, but he talks about immediately, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Not the Son of Man, but the sign of the Son of Man. And all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming to the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. You know what's interesting about that is that's almost the identical words that Jesus gave to the Sanhedrin before they condemned him. You're going to see me. You, you guys, you boys right here. You're going to see me, the Son of Man, coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he says in here, verse 34, just so, just again, keeping in context, verily I say unto you, this what? What's that word? What is that word? Generation. Shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. What things? All the things he just said leading up to that. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And again, just to tap off of what he said here earlier uh, about the sun and the moon, go back and read in the Old Testament where you'll see this happen time and time again when God brought judgment. We read about the mountains melting. We read about the stars falling out of the sky. Was that a literal falling of the stars, or was that that these people, because they were judged, their whole world was destroyed? Now, I tend to think it's that, that what he's laying out here. He's going to destroy the world of Jerusalem at that time, of the people. Why? Because God had already deemed that to be the case. Now, that's that's a little bit to lead in there and to say, look, Everybody who is on edge and stressed out and trying to pin the tail on the Antichrist and figure out what the mark of the beast is and stuff, you need to be looking to the Christ. You really need to be looking to the Christ. The same one who condemned these guys is the same one and the only one whereby men can be saved from their sin. But the command to you is the same as it is to me, to repent and put your faith in the Lord Jesus. Catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, and we'll see you in the morning at 8 a.m. with Kate Shimrani. Adios. Adios.